Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody's doing great as the fall gets underway. Kind of wild that summer is over. But uh, fall's a nice season and, uh, you know, I welcome it. So the title of this episode is No One Can Plead Ignorance in America Anymore. And I want to start this episode off by saying that, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about some big things in America for the first time in decades. You know, notably our progress on climate policy and also just the more confident and muscular liberalism that we're seeing exhibited by Joe Biden and many other federal Democrats, but also some governors. Um, no one more so than Gavin Newsom, the governor of my state, California. In the show notes, I'm going to link to a talk he gave. It was an interview with Preet Bharara and Kyra Swisher. It's uh, pretty short. It's about 20 minutes long or so. And he just is on fire. I mean, just the, the articulate responses, the quickness, the confidence, the precision, the simple messages. I really think he's the best spokesperson for liberalism in the country. And now, look, people can say, well, it's California. It's a liberal state, blah, blah, blah. True, of course. If he was in Alabama, he probably would tone it down a little. But he's way more liberal than you have to be in California. He takes pretty strong positions and he's pretty aggressive. So I wouldn't just chalk it up to saying, oh, he's in a blue state. He can get away with it. He is really, you know, he goes out on a limb on a lot of stuff. And he's just, just like, listen to it. It's just, it really will give you a good role model for how to talk as a progressive and a liberal, um, again, and the beautiful thing, and I've said this over and over, we don't have to lie. We can just say the things we believe in with confidence, and you know what? They sound pretty good, right? Unless you're a racist or a sociopath or a theocrat, most of the liberal program sounds pretty good, pretty compelling. Um, so anyway, give that a listen. But look, I know the current momentum is precarious and fragile. And there remain huge parts of the country mired in depravity and right-wing corruption and lies. And, you know, my heart goes out to all the women who have to live in states now controlled by the American Taliban, right? These are quasi-terrorist states, whether it's, you know, Alabama or Missouri or Louisiana, where the Handmaid's Tale is viewed as an instruction manual not the dystopia that it is. And, you know, one thing that keeps depressing me is how so many well-intentioned people on the left still don't get the full extent of the fascist threat. I know many liberals with PhDs who will bend over backwards to make excuses for MAGA world, likely because they have friends and families who are part of it, or because they feel guilty about calling out their fellow Americans. And look, I get the impulse. I really do. 
And it doesn't come from a horrible place, right? You don't want to call your fellow citizens fascists. You don't like the fact that your brother or your uncle or your sister or even your mom or dad is at some on some dimension a really a horrible person, right? Who's cruel and barbaric and in this cult, right? So I get it. I get the impulse to not want to call these people out and fully acknowledge it. But it's simply wrong, factually wrong, and dangerously wrong, right? Like I've said many times, I could forgive a Trump vote in 2016. Hillary Clinton's unpopular. Trump, as much as he was racist from the start, let's not forget, you know, there's a lot of white people who racism's not a big, it's not a top of their mind. He's saying some stuff. Remember, he was against the Iraq war, saying it's dumb wars. He was saying he was going to give everyone health care. People don't remember this, but he was making some kind of progressive statements. Again, mixed in with racism and anti-immigration. But again, I could get it. I could get it. I could, I could, I could, it's not about making excuses for people, but I could understand the logic of why a, a person that is on some degree well-intentioned could have made a vote for Trump in 2016. Like I said, it was deeply irresponsible and wrong, but I understand it, and I'm not writing that person off as a bad person just because they voted for Trump in 2016. But if you vote for him in 2020, and you still support him in 2022 and want to vote for him in 2024, no more fucking excuses, right? No matter how much someone is in the right-wing bubble of lies and propaganda, there are some essential truths that everyone has to face. And whether you watch Fox News all day or not, there is no way somebody in 2022 doesn't understand the extent of Trump's cruelty and insanity and that of the whole MAGA world. It literally drips from every fiber of his being, and he has made thousands of cruel and sociopathic statements for many years. So it doesn't matter how deep in the bubble you are. The people who are in that bubble are in there for a reason, because they like it, right? Adam Serwer at The Atlantic, the cruelty is the point. They like it. Now, again, I don't even like talking about it. Why are we talking about this fucking lunatic two years after his failed coup? But you know what? He's likely going to be the GOP nominee in 2024, so we have to. And now his latest shit, where he's just going full QAnon, right? And he's talking about how he can magically, you know, declassify things by thinking about it, right? Perhaps this is just prep for his insanity defense when he gets indicted. But whatever it is, the people who are still most committed to the MAGA universe are committed to barbarism, cruelty, and they oppose American democracy. This is simply fact. No one can pretend otherwise. If you're in MAGA world in 2022, you're a damaged human being who means to do harm to the body politic. And again, if you weren't trying to harm people and bring down our democracy, I would actually feel pretty sorry for you. But, you know, nearly half of our citizens are in this category. And it's it's a it's a tragedy, right? Right, you have to be a damaged person to like this shit. Right? But we can't make excuses for them. Of course, we can try to understand what turned these people into zombies. 
And also, let's make clear, it's not just that they have economic hardships. It's the wealthy in America who support Trump the most. The average income of people who voted for Trump in 2016 and in 2020 is higher than those who voted for Hillary Clinton and for um, Joe Biden. And as much as there are definitely plenty of poor down-and-out whites, black and Latino and Asian poor people have much higher rates of unemployment, much less opportunity, and they didn't come out in droves to vote for the lunatic, right? So again, no excuses, right? So instead of trying to, you know, just understand why they turned into zombies, more importantly, we should be trying to figure out how to stop them from gaining more power, right? Because again, right now, Biden is forgiving student loan debt of, of MAGA and non-MAGA, right? He's helping clean energy for MAGA and non-MAGA, right? He's trying to create social safety nets for all Americans. So again, we can help these people when we have power, with power, we can help all Americans. It's only with power. That needs to be the focus. This must be the main goal of all sane Americans, right? So after the break, I'll talk more about you know, how we do that in this lead up to the midterms. Okay, so obviously we're going to have a big test of the insane versus the MAGA in a little over a month in the midterm elections. I have been consistent in saying that absolutely nothing is certain in this election. The Democrats absolutely can win and keep both houses of Congress and even expand their majorities in both the House and Senate, but particularly the Senate, which is much more important because these are six-year seats. They're, the Senate map for Democrats is horrible in 2024. So if we can't hold the Senate and add a little cushion, get a few extra seats, which also means we could get rid of the filibuster, you know, then we're in pretty big trouble. The Senate is where I really want to focus, although keeping the House is important too. But look, the Democrats could absolutely lose, and they could lose badly, right? So anything is possible. Anyone who tells you, oh, the Democrats are definitely going to lose this or the, they're definitely going to keep this, like that's bullshit. Nobody fucking knows. The only polls that matter are the final ones on election day. Everything else is just noise. It is just noise. Of course, polls aren't, you know, completely out of reality. If the poll says, you know, 45 to 42, it's probably not going to be 60 to 30. But again, everything's within margins of error that, that, are, that are big enough that it just it doesn't tell you that much, right? And America is a closely divided country where half the country are, you know, almost half the country are MAGA fascists, and then a little, you know, bare majority are kind of sane, 
right? And the polls have been very bad these past few cycles. And many have pointed out they often have underestimated the MAGA vote, which they have, both because MAGA, you know, people are ashamed to be MAGA and don't want to say it. And also a lot of them just don't trust pollsters and aren't going to answer their phone, etc., right? But here's the deal. Now that abortion rights have been stripped from so many women and are being the, being threatened to be taken away from all women in the United States, I think it's pretty clear we're in uncharted territory, right? This is the first time in half a century that a fundamental right has been taken away. And except for, you know, prohibition, which, you know, I guess if you think drinking alcohol is a fundamental right, except for that, like it's never happened in the United States. We've never gone backwards on fundamental rights, right? And so this is uncharted territory. And thank you, Lindsey Graham Cracker Graham, for proposing a national abortion ban to show Americans clearly that the GOP is the American Taliban and that all that talk about states' rights and let the people decide at the state level that was coming out of your ass just weeks and months ago was all a fucking lie. Again, all a lie. Thank you, Lindsey Graham Cracker, for showing us that you and your party are fucking liars. Right, so now everyone in America knows clearly which party believes in women's rights and which wants to take them away. It's a binary. Republicans want to take them away, right? And Democrats want to protect them. And we will see if this mobilizes women. If even a few percentage points of Republican women voters either stay home and say, fuck it, I can't pull the lever for these crazies, or better, they switch and vote for a Democratic candidate, or if a few percent of young women who were just going to sit it out weren't engaged, now register to vote and vote, that can change the whole electorate. Because America is a game of inches. A few percentage points of women can change the whole fucking game, right? So if I had to put money on this question, if someone said, you know, you are forced, you must put some money down on this. I think women are going to go show up in numbers like we haven't seen before and tip the balance in favor of the Democrats. Again, I don't know this and I'm not making like a life or death prediction on this. But that's my thinking, and we have a little data on this, right? We have, of course, that Kansas vote where it was just huge turnout. And again, in a red state, on a weird off, you know, primary, you know, election with not that much stuff on the ballot except that abortion thing in August, right? Also, voter registration numbers, you know, new voter registration numbers are are up heavily among women, particularly young women, in key states. And this just shows that this is unprecedented. The times we're in will have much better sense, right? This is, you know, they come out with this taking away abortion rights in June, which was perfect timing in the sense that, you know, again, perfect timing politically, not perfect timing for taking away women's rights, but politically, it gave a few, it gives a few months for people to see the reactions, see how the Republicans respond, read these horrible stories about women being denied medical care. And so we're going to get a real sense to change the electorate. And I think it will. But you know what? In, you know, when after when we read all the polls, it might be like, nope, you know, Republican women just pulled the lever for Republican and 
most young women, you know, didn't really care. They're thinking, hey, I can I can go to a blue state and get an abortion. You know, it's not a big deal. We'll know, right? We'll know in, in a couple months, right? Now, one thing I do every election cycle is I purchase what are called blue wave postcards. So there's these postcards to voters in swing states and key races, and, and you're supposed to write a handwritten note. And it's, again, I think it's a little better than a phone call. People don't like being bothered on the phone and text messages. I mean, I, I donate to Democrats. I'm getting 50 fucking text messages a day. It's just horrible strategy. Even I, who's a big Democratic supporter, I'm getting pissed off. But you get a postcard in the mail. It has a link to, you know, the, the, the you know, your, your voter, where you're supposed to vote, where you're supposed to, how, how to, a little link to a registration and, and then a reminder and a nice handwritten note. Hey, go out and vote. You know, and what my message is, what I'm going to write on every postcard is very simple. I'm going to say, protect women's rights, vote Democratic. Right? Vote for Democrats. Right? Simple. So somebody, you know, and again, I'm, I'm doing a hundred of these. You can buy 100 or 200, I'm doing 100, right? You got to buy the stamps, so it's like 65 bucks for 100 of these postcards. They give you the, the labels, the addresses, and then you, they give you the stamps. So it's all at cost, they're not making any money, and I'm going to write this out. And what? If one or two people who weren't going to vote or weren't going to vote Democratic read that and they go, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to protect women's rights. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure I vote. Wow, that's, I'm glad someone took the time to remind me. That's worth it, right? It's a game of inches. And I think that's the key simple message that can help Democrats win. Protect women's rights. Vote for Democrats. Because, again, there are no excuses anymore. No one can plead ignorance about women's autonomy. If you vote Republican, you're voting to take away women's control of their own bodies and impose massive, sometimes painful, traumatizing, and even deadly impacts on the women who end up with complications in their pregnancies and need abortion services, right? This is just fact now. You can't say you didn't know. They're literally screaming it, and every day in the news, there are stories about women, what women are having to go through. And that is one thing about this era, this MAGA fascist era, that I think is at least useful. It sucks, but it's useful. That there is clarity. We know where people stand. There are clear differences between the party. One wants fascism. One wants democracy. One wants women's rights. One wants the Taliban. Right? It may be ugly. We may not like what we see, but at least the veil has been lifted and we can see it. And there is some benefit in that. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, 
So look, in America, small men wave big, big flags, carry assault weapons on their back in public, right? We know what MAGA does. It's all this performative, right-wing, pseudo-toxic masculine bullshit, right? Our job is not to try to fight on that battlefield, but to amass political power to defeat these people. This means voting and getting others to vote consistently every cycle. So again, as we get closer to the midterms, do something to help. Anything. Send $5 to a key House or Senate race. Go to Act Blue to find out the best candidates to support. Make a few phone calls to friends in key swing states. Go to the Blue Wave Postcards website that I mentioned and buy some postcards like I did if you don't want to call people and stuff like that. Right? Just choose one thing and do it. That's my antidote. Choose one thing and do it now. Don't make excuses. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And with that, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe.